You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. The reading this evening comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, through chapter 5, verse 2. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that I may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be intimidators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. My name is Jordan Rivera, and I am one of two ministry residents here at Christ Church, and it is an honor for me to be part of this series of the book of Ephesians. If I haven't met you, I would love to meet you. I'll be standing right there afterwards, and I would love to know you, talk to you, and lower elementary, yes, yes. Let all the kids go to lower elementary. So as I was saying, I'd love to meet you and talk to you, maybe have coffee or lunch during the week. Please come and I'd love to meet you. I'm excited, as I said, to be part of this series on the book of Ephesians and I've learned a lot about God and a lot also in how to love you. I feel like I've gotten a new pair of lenses to now see reality as God sees it. In that same line, my wife shares a story then when she was a little girl, when she was seven, six years old, her parents noticed that she was needing glasses. So they took her to the optometrist. And now with a new pair of glasses, as they were going back home, they decided to stop at the grocery store that they usually went. But as they were walking in, they started noticing that the place looked totally different. She saw that the things were in place, things orderly, shelves and, and food, and she turns to her parents and, say, and says, Mom, Dad, this is crazy. They have remodeled this place completely. So then her parents realized how bad she needed glasses. The place was the same. In the same way, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians are like a new pair of lenses uh, that we can put to, to our eyes and then match our prescription. They help us to see reality as it is. If you remember in the story that I just told, nothing had changed. What changed was the means through which now Devi was seeing reality. And that means changed the way that she was seeing and also the cha- the changed the way that she was responding. Now, Paul is giving us in writing this letter so that we may have these new lenses so that we can see things different and respond in a different way. And we started to see how we ought to respond last week. And today we are continuing to see how we ought 
to respond. This reality, this new reality, is a heavenly reality. And the idea is for us to be seated in heavenly places so that we can now see things as God sees them. And this reality is not just a, an unreachable reality. This reality is practical. We talked about this today. So let, let's pray. Let's pray that, that that may be true for us today. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit may move our hearts and open our eyes to see reality as God sees it. And this is uh, and that's exactly my desire for today, that we may be reminded of this new reality where, the, where by the Spirit of God we are being built together so that we may be compelled and convinced that we can and that we should walk in intentionality and in good speech to one another. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds and you're going to pray there in your heart, in your mind. Pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to work in your heart that his word may be preached today, that Christ may be magnified. And I'll be praying afterwards in like 30 seconds. So there you can bow your heads and close your eyes. You can pray there in your heart, in your mind, and I'll be praying in just a second. Lord God, we come before you acknowledging that it is your word, that it is your spirit who make the changes in in our lives. And and we want to come and we want to submit before you. And uh, Lord, I, I need you. I need you. Please, with your Holy Spirit, let your word be preached today, that it may be clear to us how you want us to see this new reality and how you want us to respond now to this new reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of this preaching is Building Up in Unity by Precision, by the Spirit, by Kindness, and by Imitation. So, as we have done it before, do we have the, the verse up there, verse 29, 429? If not, don't worry about it. I think I'm going to be reading this verse today. So verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as feeds the occasion, that he may give grace to those who hear. So after Paul has given us this new pair of glances, and now we are seeing this new reality, we ought to respond. Paul is telling us how to respond now. In chapter 4, we, uh, Paul starts with, I urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Verse 3 says, eager to maintain. Some versions say endeavoring, or some other versions say making every effort to keep the unity. Just imagine in the city of Ephesus, a big city, a port city, people from different countries, from different religious, religions, from different languages, from different, uh, with different ways of greeting, with different understandings of good models. They are now coming together and gathering together to share one eternal hope. So Paul, chapter 4, starts with, I urge you to keep this unity. And although this can be very clear that uh, tensions can come when you're sharing a lot of time in conversations with people from different ethnicities, you know that it does not take long for you to be offended by another person from your same, from your, your same culture. 
And sometimes even it is that this, the same happens from people from your same church. So this applies exactly in the same way to us. We ought to make every effort to keep this unity. Paul explains how we are a gift to each other and a gift for unity and, and unity for maturity and maturity for love. He also commanded us not to be like the world. And now to put off the old self, to put off the old self and to put on the new self. And in this last section of chapter four, he's telling us, how does that look? How does that look that we, uh, how does it look to put off the old self? And how it, does it look to put on the new self? And we saw in verse 25 that to put off the old self means to put away falsehood. And to put on the new self means to speak the truth. To put off the old self in, in verse 28 means to no longer steal. But to put on the new self means to give. Verse 29, our verse today, to put off the old self means to let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, and to put on the new self means to talk what is good for building up the body. Now, this makes sense in a biblical worldview. If you remember the story of Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector, meaning that he was a Jew that was working with the Roman Empire and that he was participating in taking advantage by oppressing his own people through taxes. But when he meets Jesus, what happens to him? Luke 19.8 says, And Zacchaeus stood up and said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restored it fourfold. Let the thief no longer steal, but give. This is exactly what is happening with Zacchaeus. Now, do you remember the story of Paul? On his way to Damascus, he was willing to, keep, to kill people who followed Christ. But after he encountered Jesus, now he's willing to die for this same Christ. Think about Peter. He was blaspheming and saying that he had nothing to do with this Jesus. They were, they, that they were going to crucify but now, after he was restored by Jesus, he's the main speaker at the beginning of the book of Acts. People that in their new identity in Jesus saw the reality as God sees it, and they responded accordingly. Now, what makes our passage interesting is that these commands that we have heard of not stealing, but giving, not speaking falsehood, but truth, all these are in the context of unity in the context of maturity, in the context of love. Although there are many implications of avoiding corrupt talk in our jobs, with our friends, with our families, Paul is talking in the context of the local church. So this is why he says, talk what is good for building. And the idea is he's been talking about building a temple. He's talking about building a body. And he's talking about the church. And here's where I wanna focus today. So as I was thinking about this verse, I started thinking about my words and my conversations as having a hammer, a hammer in my mouth. So what do I mean by that? A hammer that is very useful for the vocation that I have been called to build up this body. But this hammer can be also very dangerous if I don't use it the right way. I mean, if you're like me, who needs to FaceTime his dad every time that uses a drill, you know that when you're gonna pound a nail, this could go very well or horribly bad. You need, you need the right 
precision. You need the, the right pressure. You need the right balance. I almost need the right humidity to make sure that I hit this nail. Likewise, if we don't use well, if we don't use correctly our words, if we don't use with precision our comments, this could, this could go very well or this could go horribly bad. Someone is going to get hurt and maybe it's not going to be you. Colossians 4, 6, a parallel passage says, let your spe speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Seasoned with salt. Have you ever cooked something that needed salt and you forgot to put it? Have you ever cooked something that needed salt and you put too much on it? You've got to be precise. There's a precision there. There's a difference between cooking scones and cooking a soup. They both need salt, but in different quantities, as it feeds the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Earlier in the passage, Paul said, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all. He's talking about the oneness of the church. But now listen what he says in verse 7. He says, but grace was given to you. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Yes, the many are counted as one, and yet each one of us has a unique grace that God has given to us to share with the body. This grace was given to the individuals, but not for the individuals, but to share with the body. Verse 15 says, rather speak in the truth in love. Hear this, speak in the truth in love. We are to grow in every way into Christ. Verse 16 says, when each part, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Same language, build itself up in love, speaking the truth in love. When each part is working correctly, yes, the many are counted as one, but you individually have given something to make this body work properly. When each one of us is working properly, we make the body grow, and it builds itself up in love. The word corrupting appears very few times in the New Testament, and this word, this word means rotten. This is actually the word that Jesus used when he was talking about a bad tree producing bad fruit, or dead fruit, or rotten fruit. A commentator says, a corrupt word offends our ears as a rotten fruit can offend our taste. The idea is that we may avoid all words and comments that are rotten, but then not just to give something that has no flavor. No, the idea is that now we, give, we don't give something that is rotten, but we give something that is sweet something that is enjoyable to the ears. And not, not that we speak what people want to hear, no. We're speaking something sweet because we, we're speaking what God wants us to speak. And this is harder than it looks. Debbie reminded me yesterday of something, and I have her permission to share with you this. Uh, we were memorizing this text like two years ago as I was driving, so Debbie was repeating this over and over, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. And as I was driving, a car tried to pass us. 
uh, we were in traffic and tried to pass us, but then went to the lane next to us, and in a second he got stuck with traffic and we had a free lane, and Debbie said something like, there you go, loser, that's what happens to you, or something like that. And then we laughed, and then she stopped and said, oh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up. We were reminded that we can forget this very easily because the thing is not only to avoid insults. The fact is that when we don't have the intention to destroy, that's not enough. The idea is that we may have the intentional intention to build up. You see, it's not only to not have the intention to destroy, but to have the intention to build up. There was no corrupting talk in her speech. That, that was a joke. But there was, there was not something good for building up. Let's be careful with our jokes. Sometimes we joke about our struggles. Sometimes we joke about the struggles of someone else. And that may bring a laugh, but that may not bring unity. That may not bring maturity. That may not bring love. I, uh, I heard that a leader of a church once said, my spiritual gift is sarcasm. And that was a joke, and everyone laughed. But this could be funny, but at the same time, this is not building maturity. Yes, yeah, sometimes we make jokes about our failures, and we, sometimes we make jokes about the failures of someone else, but this is not bringing love. We may not intend to offend someone, but that doesn't mean that we're intending to build this person up. Now, let's say that someone comes to church that you haven't seen in a couple of months. Like, let's, let's try to avoid to say, hey, finally, right? That's not the best expression that we can use. But we can just embrace that person and give that person a hug and maybe invite that person to coffee. Invite that person over to our house and maybe ask questions. And after we have asked questions and and listen to that person, and after we have the right word to build this person up in love and in maturity, let's speak now. Let's use every opportunity well. Sometimes even our prayers can be wrongly used. Sometimes our prayers become a preaching time. Sometimes we're not talking to God. We're, talking to the, we're praying, but talking to the person. We are not necessarily wanting to talk to God. We want to preach to this person. People may not be blessed by your prayer when we use these opportunities to preach to them. Sometimes we may know some details of some brothers and sisters that are struggling with certain things, and then we gather with other Christians and we want to pray. Uh, it is wise for us to, to ask when someone shares with us their struggles, if we can share these details with other people. Many times they, they don't want us to share these details with other people. So when we pray and we gather to pray, let's make sure that we gather to pray. And when we, can, when we pray, we can pray just generally. We don't have to pray specifically. Again, our intention may not be the one to destroy, but we want to make sure that we have the intention to build. You know that one word can make your day. And you also know that one word can ruin your day. In the context of the local church, one word can build us together in unity and maturity and in love, but one word can tear us apart too. It takes one conversation, sorry, it takes tons of conversation to build credibility. It takes tons of conversations to build confidence. 
takes tons of conversations to bring unity. It, and it only takes one word to destroy all that. We have been given grace to share with everyone. Each one of us has, has been given grace to share with everyone. Each one of us is a member of the body that needs to work properly. We need you to work properly. What a great task. What a great responsibility. So if this growth only depends on us, and if this building is built, uh, uh, built only by our doing, we are in trouble, <laughs> right? You know you, and you know that we are in trouble if this building only depends on us. But this is why God has not left us alone in this task. He has given us each other, yes, to build up this building, but he is the one who builds this body. In chapter 2, if you remember, verse 20 says, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then verse 22, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. By the Spirit, we are being built together into a dwelling place for God. God has not left us alone. By the Spirit, He's making this grow. And I think Paul having this in mind, having this idea of us being built together by the Spirit, and talking about uh, us being careful of what we say to build up each other, in this same, with this same idea, I think Paul is writing this next verse. Verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. People have said that in some Christian, Christian uh, circles, uh, they believe in the Trinity being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. Some others have said that some Christians believe in the Trinity being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They believe in the Holy Spirit, but they don't talk much about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but this is not true of Paul. The word spirit appears 14 times in the book of Ephesians. Out of these 14 times, 12 times, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. And nine out of these 12 times, he is referring to the Holy Spirit in the context of unity. This is very interesting. I've read this, and I'm, I'm sad I've, mid, I, I've missed this. Here are some examples. Chapter 2, verse 18. For through him, we both have access, Jews and Gentiles, we have access to the Father in one spirit. Verse 22. In him, we are being built together by the Spirit into a dwelling place for God. Chapter 4, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. And in our text today, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Grieving assumes that we're not talking about a thing or that we're not talking about a force. We're talking about a person. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given all attributes of, of a person. He's given a mind. In Romans 8, 27,
Paul says, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. The mind of the Spirit. He's also given a will. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4 says, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit, distribute according to his will. Gifts of the Holy Spirit distribute according to his will. The Holy Spirit has a will. And he's also called a deity. Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 5, Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? In the next verse, he says, you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. To lie to the Holy Spirit is to lie to God. I hope this encourage, encourage, encourages you, as it did to me, to appreciate the work of the Holy Spirit as he unites us. And I hope that this encourages you also to be careful with our words. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit who is bringing us in unity. Paul reminds us that he has not left us alone, that it is through him that he's building this together. Yes, he says that we build each other up, but also he says that through the Spirit or by the Spirit, he's building this up. I was reminded of a quote that Arsis Proulx said once in the context of sanctification. And he said, we can persevere, we can persevere because God preserves us. Because God preserves us, we can persevere. My daughter, Isabella, is now in that age where she can walk. Actually, she can't walk. She can walk. She can't walk. <laughs> When I hold her, she's strong enough to walk. When I hold her on her arms, she's strong enough to walk. And I encourage her to walk because she can walk. But she cannot walk. I am, I'm actually the one who's holding her to walk, but I am not walking for her, you see? I can encourage her to walk because she can do it. And I can encourage her because I am holding her. And as long as I am holding her, I can encourage her to walk. As it is true that God, God preserves us, as it is true that God preserves us, it is true that we can persevere. As it is true that God is building us together by the Spirit, it is true that we can build each other up in the unity of the Spirit. Let all bitterness then, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all mal malice. That's verse, verse 31. Paul is talking here still in, in, in the context of conduct of speech to one another, bitterness, wrath, anger, malice, internal feelings that are expressed in clamor and slander. All these have something in, in common, and, and, and that is that they have some feeling of righteousness. It's, it kind of feels right to be anger and mad at someone. There's something enjoyable about this, what I mean is that if someone says something to you that is offensive, that offended you, that, that can start with bitterness, and that can become wrath, and eventually that's gonna, you're gonna say something about that. Paul David Tripp says, we get frustrated when we confess the sin of others, when we confess the sin of others to ourselves. 
You see, we get frustrated when we confess the sin of others to ourselves. So we over and over repeat what they've done to us and we think about this over and over. And we get anger, we get angry when we confess the sin of others to God, asking why he hasn't done anything about that. So let's say someone says something offensive to you and you are thinking about this comment today, a little bit tomorrow and during the week over and over. And the more you think about this, the more that you're convinced that this is terrible. What they did to you was terrible. So you feel kind of right to be mad at them. Like, I mean, there would be something wrong with you if you, don't, if you are not mad at that person. Because it is obvious that that person wanted to treat you bad. So the more you think about this, the more you get angry at this person, and then you start remembering other opportunities when that person said something to someone else or to you and did something else to someone else or to you. And now you're starting to practice what you're gonna say next time because this is not gonna happen to you next time. So now you're starting to think, hmm, yeah, next time that person says that or does that, I'm gonna say this. If that person does that, I'm gonna say that. Actually, next time that I see that person, I'm gonna say this. You see, a sin that starts with bitterness continues with anger, and then malice, and then eventually with clamor and slander. All these acts grieve the Spirit. We have been sealed in unity by Him until the day of redemption. What a grief to witness that the ones who were sealed in unity for the day of redemption are walking in division. What a grief to witness that the ones united to their head Christ are speaking bad about each other. Members of one body not working according to their function, having rejected their leadership of their head, Jesus Christ. Walking in anger, speaking bad about each other, insulting each other. There's no need to grieve the Holy Spirit. We can now walk in the unity that the Spirit gives. He has sealed us together until the complete day of redemption, and He has enabled us today to walk as redeemed. Now, I have to be honest with you. I, I think some of us can read this text, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. And, and we may feel that we don't struggle with this much. And that may be true. That may be true. Maybe you don't struggle with this in the body. You don't struggle with, with this in, in, in the local church. But that is not exactly good news. My fear, my fear is not that we struggle with this. My fear is that we don't struggle with this at all. And what I mean is that Paul assumes that we're exercising community. Paul assumes that we're ex exercising communication. Paul assumes that we're ex exercising unity. So maybe we're not struggling to have good communication with our brothers and sisters. We may not be exercising community in our unity. I mean, if I come here and I leave as soon as this is done, then I don't struggle with corrupting talk. I don't talk with anyone. If, if, if I'm not inviting people over to my house, if I'm not going to people's houses when they invite me, and when, you can just go also, you can maybe call and text, but if you're not inviting people over for coffee, if you're not inviting people over for lunch and dinner, if you're not, 
being intentional in the gospel communities, in, in, the, in the discipleship groups, G, D, G, S, D, I get confused with all that. If you're confused also, please come to talk to me and I can explain all that language. If you don't have a gospel community, come and talk to me. I would love to guide you to one. The idea is that if we're not intentionally walking in community and unity and communication, of course, this is not a big deal for us. So my, my fear is not that we struggle with this. My fear is that we don't struggle with this at all. But let's be reminded that the Bible does not only talk about the don'ts. The Bible talks about the do's. Actually, our next verse says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You don't struggle with corrupting talk. Don't stop there. Be kind to one another. You don't struggle with bitterness and wrath and, and slander and clamor. Don't stop there. Be tender-hearted to people. The fact that we gather here every Sunday does not mean necessarily that we are united. I'm pretty sure that you know of people that live in the same place and they actually are separated for years. The fact that we are close physically does not make the fact that we are united. But maybe you do struggle with this. There is the same encouragement for you that for us or for the people that think that we don't. We have to press on in the unity that we have to God in Christ. Let's press on in the unity that we have with others in Christ. Let's press on the grace that God has given to us to share with the body. Going back to the example that I used before of someone saying something offensive to you, knowing that we have this tendency to confess their sins to ourselves and confess this, their sins to God, and knowing that we can grow in anger and wrath and frustration, Let's press on in forgiveness, too. Let's press on on the forgiveness that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Actually, in verse 26, Paul says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The day for the Jews ended and started when the sun was going down. So the idea is don't let... Your day end, don't let your day start with anger. Don't confess their sins against you to yourself and to God. But go and seek for reconciliation with your brother. Remember what Matthew, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 24, he says, so if you, are, if, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, doesn't say if you remember that you have something against that brother. So it's saying if you remember that that person has something against you, leave, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. If you remember that your brother has something against you, we can think, what, do I have to go? But, but why? He's the one that has something against me. Doesn't he, him supposed to be seeking after me? Verse 20 of chapter 4 of Ephesians says, But this is not the way you learned Christ. We're talking about being in this new nature. 
In this new understanding of reality, we walk according to our leader, our head, Christ. And we have not learned in this way Christ. The one who was offended looked for the offender. Verse 24 says, Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We also grow and build this building by imitation. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul is summarizing now this section with another command, and he's saying, be imitators of God. And we can think, how in the world can I imitate God? So he gives us a couple of things. He says, as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, the idea is that we may love and walk in this way towards our brothers and sisters. We shall give ourselves up and love as Christ loved us to our brothers and sisters. It sounds difficult. And it is. Uh, I, I am actually the first one to admit that. Um, uh, it is easier for me to get busy with the drums when I play the drums. It is easier for me to be, get busy with the drums and not, and, and come out of my comfort zone to now talk to you. It is kind of unfair though. The, the bassist takes down the bass and, and the singer takes down the mic. <laughs> and then the drummer, I have like 10 things to put away. It's kind of unfair, but still, I've caught myself wanting to get busy, to not talk to you in general, nothing personal. This, 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 is, this is me. It is, it is hard. I've caught myself to not wanting to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. But now I'm being reminded that I can persevere in the obedience when I am conscious that God preserves me. Actually, in this text, we see something, diff uh, something similar. The source of this command of, of being like God has a source, and that source is as beloved children, as Christ loved you, because you are beloved by God, because you are loved by God, because Jesus has loved you. You can walk in love imitating your Father. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does, know, does not know God, because God is love. If we have been born of God, having this new identity, this new humanity, if we know God and we're known by God, if we love God and we're loved by God, then we can walk imitating our Father as beloved children. 
I was so excited when my daughter Isabella was, started waving back at me. It took me months to, to do this, going out of the door and waving. You parents know what it is. And then after like two months, she finally waved back. And I was not sure if she was doing this or not. So after a week, we figured, yes, she's waving back at me. Uh, it's so cute. Yet she has no idea what it means. She's just imitating what I'm doing. Now, this is not the type of imitation that, that Paul is talking about here. Remember, we're adults. We're sons and daughters who are adults who are working for the family business of unity. As beloved sons, let's imitate our father. This is natural. Natural of a son to imitate the father. Let's put on the new self that has been created, created after the likeness of Jesus. That's 20, verse 24. Let's put on the new self that has been created after the likeness of Jesus. We are a gift to each other, gift for unity, unity for maturity, maturity for love. And this is my last page, so don't worry. <laughs> so next time, next time that you, you see me being so caught up with me and, and my comfort, would you come and help me with the drums? I'm just kidding. <laughs> would, you, would, you come, would you come and hug me? Would you, would you come and, and speak truth to me? Would you come and remind me of the unity that we have by the Spirit? I need it. You have been given to this body with a purpose. And there's something, there's a grace that God has given to you to share in your speech. Would you come and talk to me? So every time that you have now the chance to speak to your brothers and sisters, would you speak truth to them? Would you share some new pair of glasses for them to see the reality as God sees it? We are not used to walk with these new lenses of the gospel. We're not used to walk with this new understanding of reality. We're not used to these clothes of the new men. These glasses fell off continuously. We need to be reminded to put on the glasses of this understanding of new reality so that we may respond to this new reality in the way that God wants us to respond. Would you be intentional? Would you be intentional to put these glasses on to see reality as it is? Reality hasn't changed. God has made a new reality in Jesus already. He wants us to see that. Would you put your glasses on? Would you share these glasses with other people over and over every day? Would you be intentional in your conversations? The glasses of the world just confuse us. They show us a distorted reality. They make us respond in ways that we offend God and offend others. Help me help others by speaking the grace according to the need. Be intentional with the members of this church. You have been given to this church. I'm excited that you can share with other churches. Yes, but you have been given to this church with a purpose of unity and unity for maturity and maturity for love. Would you be intentional with this church? On Sunday gatherings at your gospel community group, Make every effort to walk in the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to talk more than just the weather. Share the grace that God has given to you. Coming out of COVID, it is now very tempting to just stay home and not commit to anything that brings us out of our comfort zones. Let's start working hard to press through that and come out of that. To, now, to know others deeply and to, know, to be known by others deeply. A brother shared with us some questions that he asks 
to his discipleship group, and they have been very helpful to me. They are, what have you been learning about God lately? What have you been learning from God's word lately? I love this question because it assumes that we are learning from God lately. And the second question is, as you repent and confess your sins to God, what is something that you would like to share with me that I may join you in prayer or maybe that I may keep you accountable with? And I love this too because it assumes that we're repenting of our sins. And also it assumes that we confess our sins to each other and that we keep each other accountable. Use these two questions. What have, you, what have you been learning about God lately? And when you're repenting and confessing your sins to God, what is something you would like to share with me so that I can join you in prayer? But mainly, don't forget that the best way to walk in unity with one another is to walk in unity that we already have with God in Christ. Vertical and then horizontal. So press on your prayer time. Press on your reading time. Let's rest in the preservation of God's love and let's persevere in loving him and others. Let's rest in the preservation of God's love and let's persevere in loving him and others. Let us pray. Lord God, we come before you acknowledging that this is hard but at the same time wanting to be reminded of this new reality that you have created in Christ Jesus for us to walk in. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we don't want to grieve you. We want to walk in the unity that you have given to us. Would you remind us, would you remind us that you are the one who is uniting us? Would you remind us that we have something unique for this local church that you want us to share. Encourage us through our reading time. Encourage us through our prayer time. Encourage us through our brothers and sisters that we may be reminded of this new reality and that we may respond accordingly to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.